When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show <laughs> fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 272 i'm your host mark allred with my fellow co-host um i almost said Dontiano, uh kevin o'keefe what up kevin how you doing what up what up doing good good and uh joining us today is john hendron is i get it right this time Awesome. You did, sir. Awesome. And he is the co-host of the Beehive Hockey Podcast. And he's filling the shoes for Dom Tiano today, who is on uh, location in Kingston, Ontario, covering the CHL Top Prospects game. So Dom's busy, couldn't be with us tonight. So we asked John to join us, and he was gracious enough to spend some time with us to talk some Boston Bruins hockey. So how, how are you doing, John? And um, yeah, so how, what's up? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, man, we're do- we're doing good. Uh, you know, excited for to see you know Lynn home skating this morning. So it's a, it's a good day. <laughs> nice. All right, we will talk about all that and uh, many other topics uh, concerning the Boston Bruins uh, this week and and lots of news, trade deadline stuff, the game against Montreal. But before we get to all that jazz, let's hear from show sponsor BetOnline.ag. 
It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage as the tournament is finally upon us. Looking to place a wager this year? BetOnline.ag is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with great contests including the Bracket Challenge, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your popular sports and games. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, you just heard me yap about the amazing people over at BetOnline.ag. Head over there and use that code CLNS50 when you want to place a wager on any sports. Golf, hockey, baseball, it's back. Football, it's coming up. Basketball, whatever. Anything worldwide sports you can get involved in. But use that code because it really helps us pay the bills in the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company studio. All right, we are back. Let's get right to it. Uh, really exciting uh, weekend, week, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the uh, the 2022 NHL trade deadline was on Monday. And um, before the NHL trade deadline actually happened, we did have a trade. We have a trade to announce. And for those of you in the building, you'll be particularly interested. Oh, thanks, Gary. I appreciate that. But with that being said, and uh, Gary Bettman coming in and saying we have a trade to announce. He's got the most annoying voice, doesn't he? It's something. It's something. It's weird. It, I don't know. It, it's something. <laughs> but uh, why don't you fill us in on the details on the trade that happened before Monday with a very good defenseman that really showed up the back end on the Boston Bruins team, Kevin? Yeah. Um, on on Saturday um, after, uh, evening, uh, it's afternoon evening-ish, um, the Boston Bruins acquired Hampus Lindholm and um, depth defenseman Cody Curran, more of like an AHL guy, uh, were, uh, acquired them for uh, prospect Yerho Vakaninen, uh, John Moore, Boston's 2022 first round pick, and then you have two second round picks, one in 2023 and the other in 2024. So all around the way I look at this deal, if you were to break it down, is you have uh, most likely here Yerho Vakaninen in the first round pick for um, Hampus Lindholm. And then the second round pick for the 50% retained, the second round pick for John Moore's contract. Um, and then Curran is probably just a throw in to make, um, you know, contracts, numbers, rosters, all that work. Um, but overall, I love this deal. I'm so happy about this deal. Um, they were able to lock him up to a um, eight year contract extension at 6.5 per. There is a no movement slash no trade clause for the first five years of the contract. And then kicking in afterwards for the remaining years is a. 16 team no trade list so that is a uh, pretty good contract I think I mean I think we can definitely expect this player to be um, a you know legitimate top four guy 
for those five years at least. So I'm I'm just thrilled. This is a really good deal for Boston. What do you think, uh, Mark and John? John, why don't you go ahead? You're our guest. So if you ask me what our number one need was when it came to the deadline, it was defense, right? I mean, our offense has been really good over the last 15, 20 games or so. Um, little struggled a little as of late. I think we were averaging under three goals a game, but still winning games, right? Because we've had good defense, we've had good goaltending. Uh, but to be able to lock up a player like that, even after for the next eight years, I mean, just just the idea of 27 and 73 next to each other for the next, you know, eight years is is just magical to me. Yeah, um, I like the idea. We addressed the left uh, left shot defenseman with with a veteran. He's 28, right in the prime of his of his um, um, right where you want an NHL defenseman. He's not young enough that he's still learning. He's just right in that pivotal area of his career that he's really absorbing a lot more and has more trust from either his former Anaheim Duck organization or now Bruce Cassidy coaching staff in Boston Bruins organization. So um, I think it was a great move. Uh, and I think the term was good too. I, I'm not afraid of that. It's, and and as as Kevin said, the term's good because after five years, if it's not working and it's going stale, you have options to move him. And if if he still holds any high value, we'll, that remains to be seen. But um, if you need to, uh, you know, get rid of some cap space to get some more uh, players involved on your roster, that's an option too. But for now, I think he's a good defenseman. I haven't really paid a ton of attention to him, but the games that I have seen, he's been solid engaged and and very um you know uh transitional i mean once he gets the puck he's very uh very smart in the defensive zone but also has that step to like move the puck fast and and i think that's where the boston Bruins have really gone lately is is kind of matching up a bigger defenseman with a with a guy that kind of transitions well and 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 as we see it right now on the uh, practice lineup He's matched up with Charlie McAvoy, so those two those two can move the puck very well. Obviously, I, I think Lindholm's a little better with the with the the foot speed and so on. While Charlie is a bigger bigger defenseman that can move, but kind of brings the boom once in a while. And and Lindholm's a hitter too. He's been physical and so on. Not not physicality in the fighting aspect, but um, no, I, th- I think it's a solid move. Um, good to get rid of the John Moore contract finally. Um, and and who knows? Is he coming back? With the whole dad Dadzinoff thing going to uh, Las Vegas, that's kind of weird. But... Actually, um, that trade I believe I read got nixed by the yeah. NHL. Yeah, yeah, that's so, crazy. So like, is he going? Is he going back to Anaheim from uh, from uh, so. LA, yeah. uh, LA, Las Vegas? Yeah, trades null and void. He's still in Anaheim. Well, this um, is, that's he's crazy. Not going back to the bees. That is an <laughs> insane thing that happened there. I mean. But no, I mean, with Lindholm, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's you know he's six four, um, around two hundred and twenty pounds. He's a big boy. He doesn't. He's not overly physical, you know. But he can hold his own. He can clear the front of a net. Um, he can he can work the boards well. Um, I I just I don't see how it's not going to work out for him here in Boston. I understand that it's a different. Um, uh, defensive style here. He's going to have to learn a little bit here first. Uh, Cause I think he's coming from a man, a man on man type situation to more of like a, uh, a, a, a kind of a hybrid zone coverage. 
Um, but I think he's going to be able to uh, pick it up very well. He's a smart player. He's got a good hockey IQ uh, and him next to McAvoy. My God, like that's just going to be so awesome to watch. Definitely one of the better pairings in the league for sure. Um, it's, Oh God. I, if I keep talking about it, I'm just going to start drooling. So go ahead, John. So, so, so let me ask you guys, uh, is, is there going to be any time where they split and, and Lindholm comes in and plays on the second pairing D or was the idea to bring him in and to play with McAvoy to kind of ease McAvoy a little bit and not to have McAvoy play 30 minutes a night that she's, that he's typically playing. To be I, seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if Lindholm kind of drops a little bit in his play and he's not at, you know, to start, let's just say to start, it's going to be an adjustment period, no doubt. But if that top pairing with McAvoy isn't kind of clicking and Bruce Cassidy needs to step it down a little bit, I believe that Lindholm will be a great complimentary piece next to a big Brandon Carlo. That's not that bad. I wouldn't put him all the way down to the third pairing. That's kind of disrespectful in my opinion. Um but and you wouldn't want to trade for that type of price for a third parent defenseman. No. But no, I, I could definitely see him bouncing up between one and two. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and and see the same thing. Uh, Matt Grizzlick and and Charlie McAvoy. When you look at the underlying analytic analytical numbers and so on, they're very high. They're the, pretty much the league's best pairing when it when it com- comes to the the numbers. But um, I could see Grizz doing the same thing, going bouncing around and so on. But like I said, it remains to be seen and how how everything pans out uh, with him being a new Bruin. Mm. I think it's a good move to just have him roll the first five ten games with McAvoy and just see how their games mesh, right? Because I mean, we always want you know d- defense. Technically, you know, usually wins in the playoffs, right? I'm and you know having those two you know dynamite defensemen just you know hammering them at thirty minutes a night just is going to wear people down. <clears throat> Yeah, and Hampus Lindholm is more of a top-pairing guy than Matt Grizzlick for sure. Matt Grizzlick is not a top-pairing guy. He doesn't have the size for it. I know, I, I mean, size kind of does matter in certain situations. We've talked about this before on this podcast, uh, especially when it comes to a guy like Jack Deshaun and how if he had like, you know, four or five more inches to him, to him he'd probably be a blue-chip prospect. But, you know, the size does matter um, for sure. It really does. Um, not to the not to the extent where uh, we don't think Grizzlick is a uh, top four defenseman here. He definitely is, but he's not a top pairing guy. So Lindholm definitely fits in there. Um, he's played top pairing pretty much for a lot of his career here um, over in Anaheim. So I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be with McAvoy. Now, Bruce Cassidy did come out and say that um, he would be – flip-flopping them uh he would be trying to see you know and i think that's because it's going to be situational um when you need a goal or something like that he might throw out that grizzly mcavoy pairing just so you can kind of um see if you can kind of get a goal there or maybe if they really need to shut things down like really well at the end of a game in like the final you know four or five minutes of the game he might throw out a carlo and Lindholm pairing uh to really kind of shut things down so it's going to be remain to be seen, like Mark here said, on what we'll see there. But I think overall, it's it's a great fit for this team, and the price is good. I, I don't mind the six point five. I think the six point five is um, a fair cap hit. Um, I think Sweeney did good because on the open market, I think he gets more than six point five, in my opinion. 
And that six point five number is so friendly with, with with what Don Sweeney needs to do moving forward, not only you know during, during the off season, but next year as well. And there was another trade uh, right before the deadline on Monday, and Kevin's got those details. Kevin, what do you got? Yep. So the Boston Bruins traded forward Zach Seneshin, former um, first round pick in 2015, the infamous 2015 uh, draft there, and a 2022 fifth round pick uh, to the Ottawa Senators for defenseman, right defenseman, big guy too, Josh Brown and a conditional 2022 seventh-round pick that I believe if uh, Zach Seneshin plays five NHL games, the seventh-round pick would then become a six-round pick. Nice. So that's the deal right there. Nice. Um, thoughts on Josh Brown, Mr. John? Uh, big boy defenseman, right shot D, uh, something that we needed, good depth, good depth guy. Uh, if you haven't watched any videos, go and go and check out him. Uh, him, you know, laying out Freddie Frederick last time there. There we played them, right? So uh, definitely a good move. You know, we definitely uh, Sweeney did a good job reassuring the D this uh, this deadline. And Mr. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, we definitely need another guy that could step in on that bottom pairing. Um, and I don't, I don't say, I don't think that. He definitely gets the nod over Clifton. Um, I think it's going to be more of like a a flip flop between the two because I see them both as I, I see them both as seventh defensemen. To be honest, I don't think he went out and got a clear bottom pairing guy. But as the way things are lined up right now, they actually have Riley lined up on that right side on his off on his off um, offhand, um, which is which is strange to me because I don't think Riley played very well in that position, but they might be trying it out to see if they can get him used to it. Maybe. Um, But, but either way you have Clifton and Brown there and Brown, I think will slot in great against really heavy teams um, where they need to kind of use the body a lot and shut people down. But when it comes down to maybe quicker um, uh, finesse teams, throwing Clifton out there might be um, a, a better option. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it's, it's very smart. And and going back to your defensive pairings and so on with Mike Riley going on the other side, do you remember all, during the offseason when when um, Forbert was was brought on? He was he was made out to be this versatile freaking defenseman that could yep. play both sides of the blue line, but never has really gone to the right side at all, while other defensemen have, you know, on their off shots are going on the other side, and it, it doesn't seem comfortable. Um, but – We'll see what happens. I do like the added depth um, of Josh Brown. Like you said, he's probably a six, seven guy uh, battling with with uh, with Clifton, and and those two, like I said, are going to battle it out. And whoever wants it during the practices and who works hard and, and impresses the coaching staff, especially the defensive um, uh, team, uh, leaded by uh, Kevin Dean and so on, is going to win the job. You know, if, if, if Don Sweeney and staff have always said, if you're going to be the best player, you're going to get playing time. So, uh, but I also like the gritty factor. Um, you know, I say, I saw some videos of his hits and so on. I mean, he absolutely obliterated um, Trent Frederick not too long ago, you know, right in center ice, just came up and just landed the boom. Um, so he's got that, he's got that jam that I think we really need. I think with him, Frederick and, and, you know, some other heavy hitters on this team, it's not going to be so bad coming down to the playoffs. And I know we didn't address the physicality enough, you know, for me, like with a player like Nick Delorier, who I was absolutely high on. Um, but 
we got some uh, decent little pieces to work on. But um, sad to see Zach Senechin go. Um, I've I've been with I've been covering him since 2016 as a media member, and he's always been a really good kid, hard worker. A, a lot of people do not get to see how hard he works uh, in practices and games and so on, and training sessions and so on. So um, you know, it's it's not just you know it's not the 2015 bus pick and so on. I mean, it, he didn't make it to the NHL consistently. That didn't mean that he was a great soldier for this Boston Bruins organization, regardless of NHL time. You are, you know, if you're part of the B's and you're at the AHL level and you're under a two-way deal or an NJ level contract, you're part of the organization and and you're expected to work hard. And that's what he did. So, but he's going home uh, to Ottawa. He's going to get a chance to play and good for him. I, I kind of always said that this possibly could happen if, if him to have an NHL career and a good one might be outside of Boston, just because of the landscape we're looking at right now and the contracts we have under, you know, under seal. Um, but it remains to be seen. Yeah. I think playing time is, you know, absolutely uh, a good thing for him. Right. And he gets to play, you know, like you said, back in, back in Ottawa's hometown. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's a good thing, um, and and don't forget that he did actually request a trade, right? So he yep. he made it made it known to Bruins management that you know maybe it just wasn't working out here, like you had indicated, Mark, and he just wanted you know wanted some uh, a change of scenery. So you know the Bruins obliged and sent him back and and got a really good you know big depth defenseman. Uh, now I am actually curious when it comes to playoff time if Cassidy will roll with seven D. I mean, the only you, you, you see some coaches like to roll seven D right come playoff time just to have an extra body out there on on the defense, right? So um, it does give you another added depth piece, and 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 like we talk, like we always talk about, right? Use, you know, you can never have too much defense, right? So right. having that extra body is 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 only going to help, right? It's not going to hurt. Absolutely. Any thoughts to that, Kev? Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you need as much D as you can possibly get, especially when it comes to the playoffs. So, you know, having that in the lineup and having that on hand is, is great to have. I think you guys said it all. All right. Um, yeah, so, uh, that was the NHL trade deadline in a nutshell. Um, but, uh, moving on to the next topic before the NHL trade deadline actually ended at 3 PM this past Monday, the Boston Bruins did lock up uh, Jake DeBrusque to a two-year, $8 million deal hours before the uh, deadline. And uh, throughout Bruins Nation, including myself, I, I thought sign and trade. I, I, I thought it was going to happen, and um, and I thought it was like, this is going to this is going to be great. It's going to give Jake uh, a fresh start somewhere else because he did request a, uh, move, a movement to another team. Um, the destination unknown, but it just, it just sounded like he really wanted to get away from Boston. And, um, well, after the trade deadline, there were 33 some odd trades that were still going on. So we really didn't know if, if that was going to be one of them, but it came down to, I, I'm not sure if his name, I think his name is Ryan wrestling. Uh, hmm. I could be wrong on that on Twitter, blue check mark. So I kind of got to believe him a little bit, just saying. Uh, but you mentioned that Jake DeBrusque was not involved in any of those 33 trades after the 3 p.m. deadline. So we were stuck with him. And um, 
and you know what? To be honest with you, using the word stuck with him is kind of, you know, not the right word because it, when you think about Don Sweeney's press conference after, uh, Don had a lot of good things to say about him and so on. He's a part of this team. He's a valued member of the, uh, the locker room. You know, he, he works hard and blah, blah, blah. So I think that I'm not saying that Jake's going to rescind his his trade request or anything like that, but it just seems like we're all on the same page and we're not like bickering at each other anymore. Now we're on a mission to get something done this year and he's involved and I think he's happy about it. So um, thoughts on retaining uh, Jake for two more years at that dollar value. You get away from the the um, qualifying offer that that might be a little more attractive maybe this offseason. Um, if somebody comes calling and he, and he plays well in the playoffs, you know, I'd like to see a team see him play in the regular season like we have since this, um, the, you know, the the mix up of the lines from Bruce Cassidy after the new year and get some postseason games uh, or a round or two of uh, evaluations. And then to go in the offseason, somebody might say that, yeah, he plays in both seasons. I want that player. And maybe a trade could be facilitated. When I saw the deal come through. The first thought in my mind, of course, was also sign and trade is on its way. I think everyone 100% believed that. Um, when you look at the events that kind of happened afterwards, too, um, the visual of Morning Skate and him in the center of Morning Skate just leading the stretch, um, that to me was, you know, like a, a last hurrah for Jake DeBrusque as a Boston Bruin. They're like, hey, lead the stretch. We're going to miss you, buddy. Uh, kind of like a, a sending him off type of um, type of thing there. And I'm sure that's what it was. Uh, Don Sweeney had to have tried everything he possibly could to make that happen. But he had to make um, the right decision to for the team. There's just no way that you're going to be able to go into the playoffs um, down a guy like Jake DeBrusque and not have anyone in there who can at least fill those shoes as a lateral move. And it seems like they weren't able to get that done. And that's to no fault of Sweeney. There was some pretty outrageous prices going on around the deadline, as we saw. And I think that... I think that is good to have DeBrusque here for this run because he's been – and I've seen a lot of people say like, you know, oh, um, you know, what if he falls off a cliff now, now that he didn't get traded at the deadline, this and that. that that's not a good narrative to go off of. I mean, he still has to play hard. He still has to play hockey um, in order to get traded to a team. Um, you could have the argument of, well, he's got his, you know, $4 million for the next two years now, you know, but he has to, he still has to live up to that so he can get more money. You know, he has to prove that. And what better way than to go into the playoffs and uh, make some noise. That's how you do it. That's how you get traded. You got to, you know, show other teams that you're valuable enough. Um, but I, I don't, I don't foresee him falling off a cliff here. I mean, and I also don't see it as a situation where Jake DeBrusque would be upset about this. He's worked hard all year on this team towards a Stanley Cup finals. Uh, I mean, sorry, towards a Stanley Cup playoffs um, run here. So he gets to reward himself by being a part of this team that he's worked, worked for up until this point and go on a playoff run with them. I mean, I don't see it the bad. I don't see what I don't see anything about this situation being bad unless he just flat out sucks. 
you doing, Sean? So, so if you look at the two most ideal situations for where we could have moved DeBrusque, one was Anaheim for Ricard Raquel, who ended up going for four pieces, right? He ended up going for a couple roster players, a prospect, and a pick. I don't think Sweeney was really willing to deal that kind of price for Ricard Raquel, especially because Ricard Raquel is a free agent next year. And I would rather have two years of DeBrusque than one year of Raquel. Now, you know, we obviously don't know 100% if DeBrusque is going to get moved at the deadline, uh, at the draft, my apologies. But if he, you know, if we knew that, then it makes the deal maybe for Raquel a, a little bit easier to do. But we can't predict the future, right? We don't know. So the other destination was Vancouver for, you know, possible Brock Besser, Connor Garland right out there. But come to come to find out that Vancouver just wasn't ready to move any of their players. So the perfect deal just wasn't out there. And listen, which, you know, Sweeney did a good job locking him up for two years for the $8 million because it also raises up his value and not being an RFA at close to five at what he was at before. So, I mean, like you said, are you going to move to Brusque and then fill in with an Oscar Steen, fill in with, you know, move up our call and then try to find a second center. Uh, you're just not going to do that, right? I think it's better better for the run to have Jacob DeBrusque on this team rather than just moving him because he has to. Yeah, and and to, to, to touch on that a little bit about the moving and so on, um, if Jake DeBrusque is not on the roster, um, you know, moving forward from here, the next best option is Craig Smith. And now you don't want to disrupt that third line of 11, 12, 13. I do not want to touch that at all. So it's not so bad that Jake's still with this club right now. I think he's helping in, in little ways, making little impacts. I know he's not on the score sheet night by night and so on, but uh, he's doing the little things, being a consummate pro, working hard. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Um, I just don't see anybody right now in the system that could – fill that spot if he's gone internally it's just um i don't see it but um you know it is what it is uh apparently the everyone's management see something different in jake than all the fans do and i know a lot of fans were really disappointed in this that they, that wasn't moved um but and look who he's playing next to i mean he's playing next to bergeron and marchand right well, who wouldn't want to play next to bergeron and marchand so right you know that's another thing right you know the, the the guys that he's playing with only can even more uh help his help his value right so sure. uh, and, and side note at the beehive hockey podcast that we have going uh they had come up with the name the sequence line for the third line because yep. it's 11, 12, 13. So that's kind of what we're calling it there. If you guys check it out at the Beehive Hockey Podcast. Nice. Kevin, anything to add before we move on to the next one? No, I think everything's been touched on the Jake DeBrusque front. All right. Um, keeping it all in the you know the trade thing and, and trade deadline, um, I want to jump a couple topics. I should have been uh, better on the, uh, the lineup here on our topic agenda. But um, I'm going to number nine, Kev. I'm going to say, um, should be should this Boston Bruins team and obviously the fans be worried about not addressing the second line center position at the NHL trade deadline? Um, so many Bruins fans absolutely freaked the book out about <laughs> that. Oh my God, I have not seen. 
I've seen it. Sorry, I've been on Twitter for about 11 years now. Uh, I've seen a lot, but this particular trade deadline, which I didn't think was so bad, was really bad for certain people. And, you know, sometimes you just really want to reach out and send some people a fucking defibrillator, man. <laughs> Calm down. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, the way that a lot of Bruins fans look at Eric Hall is they look at him and they go, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> to, to go off your little Conor McGregor reference there. Right. But um, I um, I don't know. I wouldn't be worried. I mean, Hall has been fitting in with them very well. Uh, I understand the idea is, well, if Patrice Bergeron goes down, then who do you have? Listen, not a lot of teams have the luxury of having another Patrice Bergeron just sitting there on the second line um, or – someone to the caliber close to that and, and a David Krejci just sitting there on the second line, ready to hop into a first line. I mean, it, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, it's, I understand there's probably better depth at the center position, but to, you know, for other teams out there that are in the playoffs, but it is what it is. Hall is working well there. Um, it's not the end of the world. The options available to you were not really an upgrade at all. I've seen the idea that, I mean, technically, if you want to go really technical about this, like get down to like, you know, the pennies on it, I guess you could say that cop would be a slight upgrade there. Slight. Um, I guess you could say that Domi would. I don't even call him an upgrade there, to be honest. I, I don't at all. So the options available to you at center really didn't move the needle. It didn't. It just didn't. Now, if JT Miller was available, um, I would expect Sweeney to probably have gone after him pretty hard, but not to the point of um, you know, spending a ton of assets on the guy. Uh, like, I don't see a Fabian LaSalle or a Mason Lorai going the other way to get a guy like JT Miller. I mean, he's a good player, but let's be real. It's, it's I just don't see that happening. Maybe for a guy like Jacob Chikrin, sure, that is 100% worth it in my opinion. But uh, Miller, not so much. I mean, wait till the offseason, see what you got. See if there is a way that you can sign somebody there uh, or make a good hockey trade where you're not up against the wall. And, you know, Vancouver wasn't moving JT Miller. Um, and then Tomas Hurdle was not moving either. So what did you want Sweeney to do? Yeah. And by so, the way, you touched on two names that we totally forgot to talk about, Lys- Fabian Lysel and Mason Lowry. What genius not moving those guys, uh, even for Lindholm. Oh, yeah. I, 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 You know what's funny, too? I've seen a lot of people say, oh, Boston lost this trade, blah, blah, blah. Like, did they though? Because I'm pretty sure that the Anaheim Ducks were asking for a, a an A prospect. Eurovacanine is not an A prospect. He's a B prospect, and he is so he is not a blue chip guy. And that's what they were looking for in that deal. They were looking for a blue chip guy. They were looking for a first round pick, and then they were looking for um, another piece there. And you gave up basically a first round pick and uh, hurt Euro Vakaninen for his services and then extended him. The, the other stuff was for, you know, contract stuff taking on John Morial. You know, we already went over it, but yep. I don't know. I just don't, there, there was nothing there that moved the needle uh, center, you know, center wise. And it, what I want to say to all these people who are upset with what Don Sweeney did, what I want to say to them is go be a GM and, and do a better job than him then. 
That's all I want to say because I think he did a great job for what he could do. If he paid the price that the other teams paid for Raquel and Cop, I would have been really upset about it because this team, even with even if they picked up both Cop and Raquel, let's say they picked them both up, they're still not a favorite to win anything this year. It doesn't put you above and beyond. No. It doesn't. So right. let's chill out and let's just let this team do whatever they're going to do. Exactly. John, your thoughts. Are you on the on the uh, the rooftop ready to dive because um, they didn't address a second line C? Not for the prices that were out there. Uh, I, I think we're all kind of in agreement where COP was a slight upgrade, uh, which would have moved Holla down to the fourth line. But, you know, Hop, uh, COP ended up fetching a first round pick plus a couple other you know, plus a couple other picks as well. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we were willing to give up a first rounder for cop. And the only other serviceable person that was out there was Claude Giroux, to, in my opinion. And he doesn't want to come here. Right. He Thank you. I forgot to mention that. Thank you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he was the only other person that I would have really seen would have fit nicely for what we wanted, but he did not want to come to the Bruins and I don't blame him because he's been a flyer for life. Right. So if you look at it from that aspect, it really wasn't a center strong, heavy deadline. There just wasn't a lot of movement in that position. And if you guys really want to go see and and get a little bit more in depth, uh, you know, a little bit more information on Eric right. Uh, Mark, I believe there's an article that was actually posted um, on our web, on your website that actually goes a a, a little bit deeper into Hollis production and how people are think he's underrated. So everybody should go check that out. Yeah. That's blackandgoldhockey.com. Yeah. The Giroux Giroux thing was interesting um, because there's rumors out there that Sweeney put a boatload together to get him. And he still uh, went to the Florida Panthers and some folks really freaked out on that one too, saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. We don't have enough. And he didn't want to come here for personal reasons and, or whatever, but to come to find out that, and and even himself said that in a, in a press conference down in Florida, you know, the welcome wagon uh, to be the new Florida Panther, he mentioned that it was a family decision to go to Florida. So, um, you know that you got to respect that, and 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 possibly, you know, uh, saying to the wife, you know, it's tax free money, more money for shopping down in Miami, and so on. So might have enticed everybody to go down there. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, how many teams? I mean, yeah, how many fan bases out there do you think were looking at their GMs and going, "What? The Bruins only paid a second and Bjork for Taylor Hall. Why didn't you do that?" Like yeah. flipping out when at the end of the day. Hall just really wanted to go to either the Boston Bruins. And I think there was maybe like one other team he would have accepted a deal to, but you know, it's like, that's what he wanted to do. And he was able to do that with his no move with his, uh, no trade. So that's what it is. Cry. (laughs) All right. We are pissing right through these topics as we speak. Um, but why don't we uh, take a break here from uh, Bruce Sullivan. He, and he is from uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He is a fantastic person that gets all our hand-signed jerseys for our Patreon giveaways and pucks and uh, pictures. And if you want to get your own stuff, uh, listen to the uh, the mid-show commercial we have, uh, and he'll explain of the exciting signings that he had in the previous weeks and what's on special. So let's hear from Bruce, and we'll talk on the other side. Mm-hmm. 
Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are proud to announce our Bruins Puck Sale. Score with a Bobby Orr Puck for $125. Phil Esposito 1970 Commemorative Puck for $59. Achievers Commemorative Puck for $39. Sean Thornton, Johnny Busick, Andy Moog, or Rick Middleton for $34. Bobby Carpenter and Steve Casper for $24. On February 21st, we hosted Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight veteran Mike Milbury. Grab your Milbury jersey with Big Bad Bruin's inscription for just $79. An autographed shoe for $39 or a photo for just $29. Our Don Marcotte $49 jersey sale continues. Grab one autographed inscribed jersey for $59 or two or more for just $49. For more information on our dozens of Bruins, hand-signed pieces, and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! What's up, Bees fans? We are back, and you just heard the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got all your – he's your go-to source for all black and gold, and trust me, I've seen all your man caves, and they're terrible. Red Sox, get it out of there. Celtics, get it out of there. Patriots, get You need some more black and gold stuff in your fan cave. Get some signed material from, uh, from Bruce, and um, please uh, follow his Facebook and, um, and his uh, Facebook page for – updates on sales and free stuff for just liking and sharing all right let's get back to the boston bruins hockey talk we have about five more topics to go through uh patrice bergeron is uh kind of back in the fold Uh, he had um surgery on an elbow and it was infected and the infection kind of uh, i i i'm hearing it was a minor surgery nothing nothing huge that's going to keep him out for a long term time but that particular surgery got infected and uh, had to um, come home and be safe and get that cured up and so on. But he's back on the ice today. Um, no, con- I mean, there was a regular Jersey, not the red, no contact. Uh, great to see him out there on the ice with the Frellas. And, um, and there's word that he's probable for tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay lightning. So thoughts on having Patrice back and, you know, I mean, he's always an inspiration. He's the captain and, and you know, a, a pivotal point of this Boston Bruins team moving forward to create, you know, some goals that we hope happen. Um, but um, thoughts on him coming back in the lineup and, and how it's going to look. Kevin, why don't you go first? It's huge. Um, he's the captain of your team. He's um, the best center you have. It's really good to get him back and allow him, Martian and DeBrus to continue working on some chemistry, um, heading up the stretch here and into the playoffs. Um, it's good that whatever it was that he's dealing with, it wasn't super serious. And it was just more of them being cautionary about it. So I'm happy with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing him back into the lineup, especially against a, a team like Tampa Bay. So. Yeah. Johnny. So, so Bruins Nation, calm down. <laughs> Everything we've heard about from 
the deadline. Oh, let's put him on LTIR, a la Tampa, right? Let's, you know, we need a we need a center because oh my god, he's gonna be hurt for the rest of the year, right? Calm down. He is fine. He's skating. Everything is everything is just peachy. Okay, uh, it, he's better in the lineup. Let's not get crazy. Let's not put him on LTIR and risk a playoff spot just to bring him back a little bit more healthy when it comes to the playoff time. Uh, there's no issues, right? If anything, give him a rest day here and there, right? We need, we do definitely need him healthy when it comes to playoff time, but seeing him practicing, seeing him, you know, be probable for the upcoming game in Tampa, uh, you know, just, that's my advice. Calm down Bruins nation. Just calm down. Yeah. I mean, to the fan Frico, it was very calm when we all knew people were writing articles um, Nesson was talking about it and, and word of mouth through Twitter and social media was, yeah, he's out for a couple of games and then that, everything's fine. But when cap friendly came out on, I don't know what night it was and dropped that he was on the IR. Oh my God. People were freaking out. I was like, holy shit. Why is this such news? I mean, does anybody like read or pay attention to anything on that's available on the internet right in your hands? It's right here, folks. That's it. All you got to do is look it up. Patrice Bergeron, where is he? Oh, okay. But all of a sudden, the IR status comes up, and we there's a freaking meltdown. But anyway, I regress. Um, it's another reason to show you how in Tampa has infected the league. Vegas <laughs> tried to do it with Mark Stone, and they've failed miserably. Tampa's you know, the only one that's done it success- successfully. But now in people's minds, they can just instantly put people on LTIR for – various reasons and then be able to make big moves at the deadline and then bring them back in with the extra cap space come playoff time. Tampa's infected the league. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, it's good to have him back. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it happens tomorrow night, but if not, extra rest is not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can make it for Saturday afternoon's game against the Isles, that'd be ideal too. But another question I want to bring up to you guys, if I'm not, going ahead of myself let me know if uh, if i am um and and skipped anybody but um speaking of bergeron we are coming down to the latter part of the uh 2021-22 campaign is it wise to rest him more or get him playing and and being with the his his line mates on a repetitive motion to be ready for the playoffs or is it wise to and I don't. I say that knowing that we're still in the first wild card. Actually, no. Are we tied with Toronto? Or are we still in the wild card? Tied. Well, we're still in the wild card technically because they've played uh, one less game, but we are tied in points. Okay. It, uh, maybe if maybe if we were higher in the standings and a little more comfort zone uh, coming down the stretch here, I'd be more apt to um, rest Patrice, but. Again, he's such an important um, member of this Boston Bruins team, and we do have to get a little higher in the standings. I'm not trying to say that um, we need to get higher in the standings to avoid playing certain teams. I don't care. It's the postseason. If you're matched up against this team and that team, you do it. Don't care. Don't dump it. Don't junk it. Don't do nothing. I've heard so many people say we should tank because we don't want to play Tampa Bay and, and this and that and Toronto. Let's play Toronto. They never can get out of the first round. So, and their goaltending is atrocious right now. I so, know. Uh, give me Toronto. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, it'd be like me being in net again. Oh man, don't do that to yourself. You're in the next David Ayers. No, I'm a power forward now. Remember? Oh yeah. 
You're the next Ricard Raquel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so thoughts on uh, any thoughts on like, um, you know, the rest issue and, and do we, would we rather have a fresher Patrice Bergeron in the postseason compared to the, the under 20 games that we have in this regular season? Uh, he hasn't pl- been playing like an old man at all. He's still playing at an elite level. Uh, he hasn't missed a step. He looks great out there. Um, every single year we have some type of issue, uh, injury issue with Bergeron. He, d- he never really plays a full season ever. So I don't think there's really any worry there. I think you can, can you can play him however you're going to play him normally as you would anyone else. And uh, Patrice wants to play. We both, we all know that he wants to play. He wants to be out there. And um, also, this is definitely more of a uh, a selfish reason for me wanting to see him out there as much as possible. Is uh, I want him to have the best chance at winning that selkie this year as possible. Oh, I forgot another caveat. Nice job. Thoughts, John? We all know that Patrice doesn't like to take maintenance days, right? If if they come up to him and say, you know, you just want to take a day off, we know he's not, right? That's just not the character he is. Now, and, and we have the center depth to to cover a couple games if we really, really had to, right? You can see Stanika's kind of popped into that first line role the last few games, and we've, you know, we really haven't missed missed a beat, right? With the, you know, some of the games that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I, I mean, you know, Berkey is a workhorse. He's always been a workhorse. He's never going to change the way that he is, and and you know that that's pretty much how it is. Absolutely, good stuff, guys. Um, do do do. Here's uh, going back to the trade deadline. Um, a little bit. Sorry for the bouncing back and forth, folks. Um. Uh, Montreal head coach, uh, Martin St. Louis, he's, uh, I believe he's on the intern in term, um, mm-hmm. and mentioned something about games being played on NHL trade deadline and how they, sh- it shouldn't happen. And I kind of have to agree with that because the Montreal Boston game was on Monday night, right at four hours after the, uh, the deadline happened. There's a, there's still a lot of emotions. Um, people are, are you know, players do get scared during this time because they, you never know what's going to happen. If you, you know, if you don't have that trade protection, you could be moved in a, in a, in a heartbeat. Um, but those emotions just don't go away quickly. That that could be a drowning day, to be honest with you. And I've never been a professional, never been traded or anything like that. But I can just imagine how that type of day and that scaredness could affect a, a, a lineup or, or certain members of the lineup and, and not produce the best of your ability. Um, is it wise to just say, you know what, let's make this an official holiday in the NHL and just say NHL trade deadline day is a day of no playing. It's all about the news. It's all about the moves uh, before three o'clock and then relax, you know, you know, gather yourself and so on. And then let's go to freaking work the next day. If you're still on that team. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, when I look at the whole emotions part of it, I can completely understand that, you know, we're all humans. They're human. A lot of people don't see the human aspect of it too. Like I see a lot of people throwing out, uh, just for example, I see a lot of people saying like, Oh, well, the Bruins go to trade for Phil Kessel. The dude just had a baby like five seconds ago. So um, I don't think – because let's put it this way. If he didn't just have a kid, Arizona would have moved him. But I'm sure they went to, to Phil and said to him, hey, 
we understand your situation. You just had a kid. We're not too worried about getting, you know, the mid round pick we want, we we're going to get for you. Um, if you want to stay and, um, you know, not have to worry about any of that with a newborn. And I'm sure he was thrilled because he loves it in Arizona. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So there's a human aspect of this. This is not NHL 22 on your Xbox or your PlayStation 4. You know, these are human beings. They're not computer players. So you got to remember that. And they definitely have the emotions. And I mean, not only the day of the deadline, but leading up to it too, the week before, the, the two weeks before, it's it's got to be scary. I mean, so I agree with that. And the other, the other thing I think of too is when you acquire a player on deadline day, nine times out of 10, they're not going to be in your lineup that night. So you just acquired that player and you already don't even have him for, for that, for a game that after you've acquired them, because there's not enough time for him to get in and be able to suit up for you. So to allow a little bit of time for a player to get there and settle in and be able to play for you um, also works as well. But no, I agree with uh, Martin St. Louis on that. Thoughts, John. So I'm going to hit you guys from a different angle on this. I'm going to hit you from that fan aspect of it, right? Okay. When we get big moves, Hampus Lindholm, you know, Claude Giroux, we want to see those people in our jerseys ASAP, right? If I mean, just think about if we had the trade deadline off and then we had a 16-game plate the next day where no matter what, on that next day, they know they're moving then you get to see your player that much faster, right? I mean, that that's just music to my ears from the NHL, right? I, I don't understand why they wouldn't do something like that because, I mean, how many people were going out or going online and buying Claude Giroux Florida jerseys or Hampus Lindholm Bruins jerseys or you know, even Josh Brown, you know, Bruins jerseys as well, right? We want to see the players in our jerseys playing, practicing almost instantly, and, you know, where we have games at seven o'clock on the deadline, it, we're just never going to experience that. And, you know, like now we, us Bruins fans, we have to wait till Thursday night to be able to see Hampus Lindholm, right? But if they took the day off and then just said, hey, listen, we'll do a full plate on Tuesday, the day after the deadline this year, everybody plays, everybody gets to play on the, the jerseys after the trade. So um, I think from a fan perspective, it would be awesome to, awesome to see something like that. <clears throat> Yeah, I could see that too, but it's like, and I know there's no days off uh, before the holidays and so on, but the NHL does implement a, a no trade freeze, uh, a trade freeze. Sorry. And um, if you're willing to do that, then why not work with the uh, work with the teams and so on just to have a, a certain day off? Just, I don't know. Just something I thought of and I saw the tweet and uh, I think it was from Eric Engels and he's a fantastic writer up there. And he mentioned that, 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 you know, St. Louis did say something that was just kind of a, you know, kind of a, a day of we need to just, you know, gather ourselves a little bit and just be out there playing. But I can see where he's coming from. Um, moving on to the next topic, the game on Monday night, which we were talking about brief, uh, briefly in the Martin St. Louis um, conversation about the trade deadline. They did play, and and I, I get up from Montreal-Boston games all the time. I still think it's a very, very deep, rich history rival, and I will continue to do so until Montreal falls off the face of the planet, which they're very close to doing, by the way. Um, but, um, a, yeah, I had it up here. Sorry, guys. Um, but it was, a, it was a decent game. I thought – it was kind of at times it was boring, but it really picked up towards the end. 
Um, in the first period, Brad Marchand scores his 26 from Eric Haller and Connor Clifton at the 921 mark, which got things really – everybody got a good feeling. But then in the uh, second period, David Savard comes in and ties that game up at the 849 mark of the middle frame. In the third period, I, things got a little crazy. Uh, Joel Armia scores his fourth from Montreal and at the 113 mark of the third. And that was a shorthanded goal, which is just a little bit of a dagger there. Um, and then it just it, it didn't look good. And then you could see the panic on Twitter definitely after that happened. Jesus. Um, but then Connor Clifton comes in. And um, this was, uh, again, in the third period. It's the 1701 mark of the third. He gets a wrist shot off from uh, Craig Smith and Charlie Coyle. He gets his second goal of the game, tying it at two. And then we go to overtime, and um, Jesus, it didn't take that long to to see Brad Marchand scored his twenty seventh goal, an absolutely fake Jake Allen out. His jock strap is somewhere down on um, St. Catherine Street in the strip <laughs> bar. Somebody's just like, "Woo!" Dude still got vertigo from it. <laughs> takes him out so bad and wins the game up in Montreal. Um, ends it. Listen, it doesn't matter how ugly that game was. Absolutely not. Two points is two points, and we're moving forward. Those two points got us that much closer. We're in the wild card, but we are tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs for third spot. Uh, thoughts on this game? Go ahead, Kevin. Very up and down game. Um, it was... They, they started off on fire uh, in that first period, just absolutely on fire. They're out shooting them like three to one at one point, basically not literally three to one, just ratio wise, three to one. And I was like, Whoa, holy crap. It's another one of these games. And then there was a good amount of pushback, good amount of pushback from the Canadians. Um, the, the Connor Clifton goal was an interesting one for me because um, the third line was the main reason why it happened. They were the ones out there. You got Craig Smith and Charlie Coyle with the assists on that. And um, Connor Clifton seems to be upping his game, um, especially since they just brought in another right defenseman. You know, and it, it's it's crazy to see. He's definitely up in his game right now. We'll see if that continues, of course. I mean, he's kind of like I've always said, he's the Jake DeBrusque of the defense. He's hot and cold. He's good now. He's not so good then. So we'll see. But um, the overtime goal, like you said, was disgusting. It, it made me sick to my stomach in a good way. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to watch it on replay like a dozen times before I before I went to bed that night. Um, it, it was good, though. I mean, Studnika, he, he, looks, he looks good. I guess. I mean, he's, you can still tell that the game's not really coming to him um, at the speed that you'd like it to. Um, he, he's got to catch up to it. Uh, he's, he's done. He's got some work. He's not ready. Um, he, I think maybe in a lesser role, like a third, third line role. Yeah, that's fine. But he's not, he's not up to speed. I mean, I see people saying, put him in between um, Eric, I mean, uh, sorry. Um, David Pasternak and Taylor Hall, and I just don't agree. I don't. I don't. I don't think he can is going to be able to keep up with that line the way Hall can. It, it, the game's just not coming coming to him as fast. It's it's just not. He's he's got a 
he's got to work on a few things. I do like the player though. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's doing as well as he's doing, but definitely needs a little tiny bit more um, of conditioning there. I want to circle back with something with you, Kevin, but I want to go to John right now on this topic. What are your thoughts on this game, John? Uh, so it's amazing to me that to, to this day that the Montreal Canadiens made the finals last year and how bad they're playing this year. I know they don't have Carey Price. I know they don't have Shea Weber. I, I know they're missing a lot of key pieces, but the, the up and down, I mean, it must be horrible to be a Montreal fan right now. But as far as the game is concerned, uh, I think the biggest standout was we carried the play when we needed to. Uh, is this is this the start of Cliffy Hockey, Kevin? I mean, I mean, is Cliffy Hockey coming back? Right? I mean, is this the start? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, the other the other thing that 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 really kind of caught my eye was uh, specifically on the first goal uh, that we gave up by that Savard scored, and that uh, it was the first time I saw Freddie just kind of get almost too relaxed in the defensive zone and just let Savard just kind of walk by him without him knowing. And by that time you knew it was already in the back of the net. Right. So that was a tough was, look for Freddie. Right. That was, you know, Freddie's been playing really, really well. That third line has been, been clicking on all cylinders, you know, as, as all Bruins fans know, but that one was a rough one for, for, for Frederick. Uh, and, and don't disregard Jake Allen played really, really well in that game. Right. Yeah, so, second star. Yeah. Yeah, his. I mean, his. He had a really, really strong game. Seems like all the scoring chances we had, he was you know diving all over the place. Um, the only, uh, the only mistake I think he had, and Kevin brought it up, was on that Cliffy, um, the Cliffy goal. Uh, you saw him just kind of like stand up and then kind of go into like a little butterfly, and 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 Cliffy just kind of slid it underneath him when he went into the butterfly. So I think it was a little uncomfortable on that, but overall, you know, it was a good game from him. Uh, and come down to overtime. I mean, obviously, you guys already touched on the Martian goal, but uh, I, I do also love the little dance that Holla gave after the little shimmy he had. You know, um, <laughs> they're, they're, it's all over social now. You know, the the Holla shimmy. You know, great game um, for Holla. Yeah. So, so yeah. with and, helpers, absolutely. Pretty and, sucks. I know. Yeah. <laughs> And like you had said, Mark, man, it, you know, people always talk about that, you know, we're playing down to the lesser, te- you know, lesser competitive teams in the league. Who cares? Two points is two points. Doesn't matter how you win. Doesn't matter how you lose. Or, you know, we didn't lose that game, but doesn't matter how you win, right? We don't look at this at two weeks, two weeks from now and say, hey, do you remember that Montreal game? Yeah, we played down to their talent, but we still got that two points, right? No, two points is still on the calendar regardless. Doesn't matter how you get them. Well done, boys. Absolutely. Uh, right back to you, Kevin. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on what you said about Stadnika and being a little slow for that second line. Uh, why? And, and and I'm not comparing. Please do not torch me on this, Kevin. I'm not comparing at all. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel about Krejci there, who was a traditionally slow player? I don't mean slow as in foot speed. I mean slow as in like not being able to pick up the game. Um, oh, okay. Like right. he's not there. Like the game, the games, the game's coming at him fast, and he just can't keep up with it. Okay, is what I mean by that. Not that he's like a slow player or anything. Okay, like that. I understand. I'm, I'm trying to advocate for well, not really anymore because of the third line and how well they're doing. But if the third line wasn't doing as well as they were doing, I am a big advocate for seeing Coyle in between uh, David Pasternak and Taylor Hall. Even though Dom pushes back on me every single time, I'm still still want to see it. I, I think he's got the skills and the tool set to, to make it work. Be careful who you're pushing. That guy's going to freaking whack you. Yeah, probably. 
All right, let's move on to the second to last topic. The Boston Bruins general manager, Don Sweeney, in a uh, post-trade deadline uh, press conference, and I believe it was uh, Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald, asked him about Fabian Lysel and his availability coming down to the stretch here. Um, And if you don't know and you've been under a rock, uh, Fabian Lysel is playing very well for the Vancouver Giants out in the Western Hockey League. And uh, putting up decent numbers in his first first year of um, junior hockey and first year in North America playing hockey, and um, and mentions that there could be um, possibility, and I air quote the possible um, option for Fabian Lysel to come to the Providence Bruins, which a lot of people already knew, including myself, Kevin, and I'm sure John. But he also threw out the caveat that the NHL is not out of the realm of possibilities. And obviously that set a lot of the Bruins writers and, and, and willingly, and willingly. So absolutely give it to the writers that it get, creates more content. But what that does is also stirs up the fandom. Um, and it stirs up the fandom in a way that they go and research his stats. They look at his numbers and say, get this guy in the NHL immediately. I really don't see there is a path for him to the NHL this year. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's if somebody gets injured, I, I I still think that he leaves the Vancouver Giants after his commitment's over. The um, regular season, I think there's eight to ten games left. Uh, don't quote me on the numbers. Um, there's a possibility that if they do well in those games coming down the stretch, that the Vancouver Giants could sneak in as a very low seed, regardless of how long they stay in the postseason. Uh, whether it be a round or uh, a couple, but you have to think about that. But for me, Providence is the best option right now. And then evaluate from there. Um, there's a lot of fans out there that took that as he's coming. And this is the second, you know, uh, you know, Mick David. I even, Oh my God. I even got a comparison today when I, I kind of pushed back a little bit saying that he's only been over in North America for six months not really used to the ice. He's getting it in the WHL. Yeah, but it's so hard for a junior player in the Canadian uh, leagues up there to transition to the NHL. And I'm sorry. People throw out Cole Caulfield and his age and, and the way he was drafted and so on. But folks have to remember Cole Caulfield also grew up in North America. He's been playing here his whole freaking life. This is a new person to this area. And, and I think that his path to the NHL needs to go through the American Hockey League for the if he can get into games or the postseason uh, with uh, Coach Ryan Mujanal and that whole crew. And then next season, I would like to see him play a full season of American Hockey League in the Providence um, organization and, to, and then fit him into the pro levels going forward. I just don't see why we need to rush. The shiny new toy brigade are back. They were they were there the whole time with Jeremy Swayman. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. But some of these guys was like in in Jeremy's sophomore year, like we need to sign Jeremy Swayman and get Tuka Rask out of here. I was just yeah. like, what? You and this is when the shiny new toy brigade came up and, and started. So Jeremy Swayman's only here right now playing because Tuka Rask couldn't anymore. That's it. Exactly. That's the reason. 
or he was injured last year, and and they the Boston Bruins were forced to bring Jeremy up after going seven straight games without a loss, yeah. and and he was the next guy, next man up, and he did a great job, and he showed yeah. what you can do. But you know, we need, I think just we need to pump the brakes on getting a freaking guy from the podium to the NHL these days. Yeah, and that's not to say that um, that. Um, Jeremy Swayman hasn't deserved and isn't playing very good hockey. He definitely exactly. is. Like my comment didn't mean that because I'm sure someone will say that, but it, it, the fact still remains: if Tuukka Rask was healthy and his surgery went well, and he was still playing for the Boston Bruins, Jeremy Swayman would be in Providence right now. Um, with that all being said, uh, yes, you said it. Um, we could there's a there's a route here for Fabian LaSalle to go to the AHL and then to the NHL this year. There is that route. Does it happen? Probably not. Um I could see him going to the AHL. I could I could see that. I'm sure we all could see that. Um and then from there it's his his path is all on him at that point. If he goes out there and absolutely just blows up the AHL it's going to be really hard for Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy not to you know see what he looks like in a Bruins jersey now I'm not saying I'm not saying for this year I mean more for next year if he comes out and has an like and does what Pasenak did has an insane camp and then goes and you know is playing at a crazy clip over in the AHL and just the game's really coming to him well he's um he's up he's up to speed everything is working well he looks like he can take the hits um which so far he's been able to show in the WHL which is great and that's you know the harder tougher uh junior league to be in in Canada when it comes to toughness and grit and all that and he's been handling himself pretty well so I'm definitely excited to see what he can do in Providence but I definitely am not in the route to rush him uh to Boston if he goes to Boston, it's because he is ready. And if that happens sooner than later, awesome. If it doesn't, that's okay too. What are your thoughts, John? I think his ceiling is most likely uh, with the Providence Bruins. And the only way that possibly we see any version of him uh, in the NHL is if we're you know, have three games left and we're up eight points on the next, you know, and, and seating doesn't matter, then possibly while we're resting some of our guys, we could give him a shot, right? Just because, you know, for, from a minor's perspective, you can have someone come up and play, you know, nine games in the NHL and not burn that first level of your ELC. I mean, why not? It, you know, the worst thing that happens is, yes, he could get injured or something like that, right? But people may want to see, you know, Sweeney may want to see what he looks like at this at this stage um, just because, you know, a lot of people compare his body size to a Pasternak when Pasternak came into the league uh, at his age as well, right? So their, their, their body size is pretty similar. Now, he obviously would probably still want to put on a little bit of muscle, gain a little bit more, you know, um, you know body size or body weight or, you know, you know just muscle weight, right? Just to just to come, you know, be able to compete a little bit stronger in the NHL. But uh, that's really the only way that I would actually see, barring we have this monumental monumental injury happen, right? Where four right wingers or four left wingers go down, right, in a sequence of four different games, and now we're pulling, you know, everybody out that we can to try to try to do that. And even then, our our depth at wing is is still pretty strong. We got 
got plenty of players, Oscar Steen, you know, guys like that that can bounce around. Um, and we got, and, and we got power forward and, Mark Alred as well. So right, we, we we've got the <laughs> we've got the depth um, even even for that, right? So yeah, I think I think his ceiling is probably the Providence Bruins this year. And and I want to stand corrected on on my tweets. Uh, if you guys are listening to this hockey podcast right now and you follow me on Twitter, I did say something about um, maybe uh, playing one game would burn his entry level deal. And John over here absolutely uh, straightened that out for me. So he does have nine or ten games, whatever one it is. That's uh, that's a possibility. Um, but more or less, I was going on what happened with like uh, uh, Forsbacker Carlson when he came out of BU, and that that might be a different contract structure too because uh, JFK when when it was mentioned that he was going to play for the Boston Bruins, he was going to burn one year, and he only played one game. That was it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought that that was the uh, the same for a lot of the prospects, but I, I was wrong. I'll admit it. Uh, you know, don't don't torch me on it. But I'm still I'm still not. You know, injuries injuries could happen, and that could get a path for him. But you know, we talked to some Kevin and I, and I know John that you you have a, a circle of of good folks to lean on when um, when you need questions to. But Kevin and I have a really good uh, connection with Dontiano, and he's always on here as a co-host on the uh, Black and Gold Hockey podcast out in the CHL Pro- Top Prospects Tournament right now. And there's a lot of people that are, you know, saying that in 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 Dom's like circles that he's not NHL ready yet, and that's not bad. That's nothing wrong. We have something to nurture here, and to and to um, you know embed the systems with this kid. He's an undersized forward, number one. And is he going to be able to hang on to uh, getting to the net and, and so on with bigger bodies? I mean, that's, that's a, it's a lot. I mean, anybody can look at a stat sheet from the WHL and say, this kid belongs in the the NHL, but then you got to translate that and say, well, how is he going to play against bigger bodies? How is he going to play against, you know, Victor Hedman and these in Tampa Bay defense and, and the Carolina defense and so on? It's not that easy. And, and it, to me, it's just I think the path is let's not rush him. You know, if, if we need to break the glass then let's do it, that's fine. But let's not rush him and, and do it properly. Um, but. I mean, I'm excited too. I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing the idea, and I'm not saying he's a terrible prospect. I've been very high on him. He literally has been known to be kind of the steal of the draft when it comes to his speed, and and I'm I'm still on it. So, um, yeah, it's just he's coming. But please, the brigade needs to you know pump brakes seriously. The hype but, is real. No, I, I get it. <clears throat> I totally get the hype, you know, and, and I'm, I'm excited too, but I, I'm kind of a realist. It just says, you know, there's a, there's a path that needs to be um, done here. And I think that that path was beneficial to a player like Jake DeBrusque in his first year. I honestly don't think that him coming out of the WHL going straight to the NHL, he would have gotten 27 goals. I th- honestly think that, the AHL, which he didn't exactly blow up down there, he also was learning systems and so on and being just, you know, bred to for the NHL. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the path that the uh, Fabian Lysel should take too. But that's just my opinion. It's just – and a lot of others' opinions that are way above my pay grade. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
So absolutely, I agree. I mean, um, do you guys want to get into the upcoming games now? Absolutely, we should do that. Um, right. The Bruins play the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night, um, and Tampa Bay is kind of uh, on the down down sorts a little bit. They they've I think they've lost the last six of seven. Kevin, is that true? Uh, they've lost their last two games. Okay. Right, but, but before they, that, I don't know. Before that, I can't speak to. Okay. They, they apparently won one before losing two, but before that, I have no idea. It it's been a rough stretch for them. That the last I'd say ten overall has been not what Tampa's. You know, typically uh, Tampa's not playing like Tampa right right now. So. Yeah, and and tomorrow night will be the debut of new defenseman Hampus Lindholm. I'm really excited about that. Um, the Boston Bruins officially gave him his new jersey today, and pictures were taken, and he looks good in my favorite number. Look at this. I mean, this. He's 27. I'm 27. What a match. He's not a captain yet, though. You got to get that status. 27, baby. That's right. I bet you are so excited to remove that from your wall and replace it. <laughs> well, the, the jersey stays on the wall. And the, I'm the just name replacing on. the nameplate <laughs> with Lindholm. So now yep. I'll have a free Lindholm jersey. There you go. Because this was still, even though Dougie Hamilton is on this jersey, this jersey still cost probably, I think it was like 260 bucks or something Oof. like that. So, um, you know, getting the nameplate off, getting a new uh, Lindholm one up there, maybe the old lettering and maybe the, the old jersey style or whatever. But I don't care. It's just going to hang on my wall anyway. So uh, thoughts on tomorrow night's game against a very tough opponent. And the, these two teams uh, have do not like each other. They've been constantly at each other's throats. And, um, you know, and, and obviously Tampa Bay got a little better by getting uh, Hag- Hagelin. Is it Hag? No, Hagel, Hagel, Hagel. Yeah, I you were know. so high on this guy for a month, <laughs> and you're messing up his name now. Yeah, the word, <laughs> the word, the key word there is high. <laughs> I, I think if anything that we've noticed from the crew that we work with is that we do not know how to pronounce names. <laughs> I know. As, yeah, as yeah. he says, I we do not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think it's just I think it's just Brett and and Mark here. I think I think those are the two. No, I'm just uh, kidding. We all do it. But um, no, I think I think it's going to be a really fun playoff style of hockey. It's yeah. going to be really gritty. It's going to be I think it's going to be a one or two goal game, down to the wire, third period, going in there, um, tied type of deal. You know, sitting there biting every nail on off your fingers and even your toes. It's going to be rough. But nice. um, great at the at the ugh, at the end of it though, um. The Boston Bruins have a chance to uh, leapfrog the Tampa Bay Lightning in the standings. So I heard that today, and I was real excited about talking about this game. So we'll Go see ahead. what happens. So the, the the few things that I'm going to be watching for is how Lindholm fits in next to McAvoy. Um, we'll also be if Bergeron doesn't play. Can Stadnika up his game if he plays on that first line center to compete or even just be relevant in, you know, playing against Tampa, right? Because like Kevin had indicated before, you know, he's been having some some problems adjusting to the speed of the game and Tampa brings will will bring speed with Braden Point and Kucherov and those guys. For the record, I hate Kucherov, but um, go ahead, Kevin. Real quick, which is really surprising to me because, as Mark said, the AHL comes at you way faster than the NHL. So to to kind of 
be lagging a little bit at the NHL level. That's kind of concerning in my opinion, but. Yeah, well, but- it, it may also have to be because he's playing on that first line, right? Maybe if he was playing on that third or that fourth line and as that gritty type line, then, you know, maybe he would stand out a little bit more, right? But I agree. He's playing against the big dogs every night, right? Typically. Yep. So. Actually, I agree with that right there. Yep. And so. also, also given the benefiting factor that it was his first time on the first line, maybe he gets a little comfortable in a second game or a third game if needed. Hopefully we don't have to go too far and Bergeron comes back, but that's always something to think about too, is a comfort level. But I do understand the concern though, Kev. Yeah. All right. uh, Moving on to Saturday afternoon at 1230. um, They play the New York Islanders um, and the New York Islanders are not a very good team and a team that um, the Bruins uh, should beat and, and, and capture those two points and increase their, uh, upward rise into the Atlantic division and, and obviously the, the Eastern conference to better themselves in, in the playoff picture. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of team we're going to see from uh, the uh, Lamorello New York Islanders and that God awful boring hockey sometimes that we see from, from them, but uh, you know, your hockey. Yeah. Exactly. Don't play down to the level of, of your competition and just get in there and get out and, and win it in front of your home fans. And, you know, uh, and it's an afternoon game, so people are going to be absolutely shit-faced after. So why not just get a win and everybody's happy. I love early games, right? 12.30 games are perfect on the weekends. You get up, you have some coffee, you have some breakfast, you watch the game, and then afterwards you go out with the boys after to celebrate a victory. Uh, The only thing I will say is, yes, the Islanders play a very boring brand of hockey, but it's been proven successful over the years. So, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, And Sorokin, I'm assuming Sorokin will get the start in that, but Sorokin's played us tough the last few times we played him too, right? So, yeah. I expect Swayman to start tomorrow against Tampa and then may probably Linus to get the, the start against the Islanders would be what I would expect. Um, but don't, but don't be afraid or don't, don't what, <laughs> what Kevin Linus. Linus, Linus, I call him Linus. It, it's Linus. just, it's, it's just, it rolls off the tongue. Sounds right? dorky. Sounds yeah, dorky. <laughs> what's up Linus <laughs> yeah, what's up Linus uh, so again don't don't be don't be shocked if we have a goal uh, a, a 2-1 you know 3-2 type game on uh, against the Islanders that just puts you to sleep and you know you have a mid mid afternoon nap yeah that makes sense and then wrapping up the uh our 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 week of uh, hockey games because uh, we record Wednesday to Wednesday on Tuesday night, the uh, Boston Bruins play the Toronto Maple Leafs and all three of these games uh, that we're talking about in this uh, upcoming game topic are all at TD garden. So um, it'd be good to see the Leafs. And this is a team we haven't seen since I believe November is that, I mean, it's been, it's been a while. So um, it, these are eight, October, yeah, yeah, October, even possibly further. Uh, these are uh, battles that are always up, uh, uh, you know, very, very um, uh, passionate and and so on. And two teams that never like each other because the Bruins just dominate them in the first round, and hopefully we'll be doing that again this year. Uh, but thoughts on this matchup against the Leafs and so on? Um, 
Well, seeing how I didn't get to give anything on the Islanders, I'm going to go hard on the Leafs. Shit, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm my just, bad. I know. Why? Why let Kevin talk about the Islanders? I mean, now I feel bad. No, I'm just playing with the Islanders. It doesn't matter to me. It happens. I that's 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 um you getting me back for last week when I didn't let you uh, say anything about JT Miller when we were oh. doing the factor fiction. Fair. So, we we're go. even. We're even. Yeah, payback's a bitch. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the 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 Islanders game will be fun. But uh, and and they need to have a good bounce back because the last one didn't go so well. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, going into the Leafs game though, that's another game where you have a chance, depending on where you're both at, come time of that game, um, to be able to leapfrog. Hopefully, I mean the Bruins could find themselves in second place. Like think about that. They really that is- could. Is so crazy. I mean, and it's not crazy when you think about. It. I mean, it is, but it isn't because if you look back to the January first, when this, when these guys came back and 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 mixed the lineup up, and it, Bruce Cassidy finally had the gall to to throw some some weird lines out there, just to which we all back then were like, huh? And then all of a sudden, you start going game by game after that, going, wow, we have something here. Yeah, I you wasn't know? surprised. Yeah, I know you weren't. You were you were all <laughs> over that shit. I will still continue to give you damn good credit for that one, man. I was just like, I love you, Kev, but whoa, where are we going? But uh, it yeah. worked out. So, you know. You, you uh, were warming up to it even before the season started. Though. I was too. Well, you know, I was just like, man, I would really like to see Holler on the second line. But that was like yeah. back in October. and I got- Boiler, Holler, whichever one. I didn't care which one. Yeah. Put them there, yeah. freaking, and let and just just break up that perfection line please do it and they did it thank you absolutely but whoever's thoughts on toronto go ahead because i don't want to skip anybody because i'm even with kevin so we'll let kevin go first i just did oh kevin already did all right so (laughs) what are you new no i'm just (laughs) what are you even a part of this i've been doing this for like three weeks guys Uh, does toronto scare you guys no I mean, their lack of goaltending, let alone puts it away and above where, you know, yeah, they can score six goals a game, but they're going to give up 12. I yep. mean, it's it's just, you know, yes, Giordano will help, right? Will help their defensive squad. Um, I don't know where Muzzin is, if Muzzin comes back, if he's another good defender on that team. But even then, they have Jack Campbell and who? We don't know. It's, you know, goaltending's always been a problem. Dubas didn't pick any pick anybody up at the deadline. He even tried to 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 claim a goalie from overseas and then Arizona sniped him out from waivers, <laughs> which was awesome to see. Um, so again, I'm just not I'm not afraid until you know, until they prove to me that they're, you know, A, their goaltending is good enough and and B, they can I mean, yeah, they can hang offensively, obviously, right? But goaltending is is so important. <clears throat> they need Absolutely. to get rid of Marner. In yeah. my opinion, they need to get rid of Marner. They need to give themselves some cap relief. That guy does not show up in the playoffs. He is literally nope. useless in the playoffs. Get rid of yeah. him. That's yeah, another that's great point, Kevin. I, I love to see, and everybody saw it last year, Marner producing like two points in the playoffs. They are first running out, and then people are calling for Marner's head. I can't wait to see it all over again. Mm-hmm. Now, now watch him come out and absolutely just tear it up like in this playoffs. And then I just yeah. – well, no, I wouldn't look dumb because up to this point, he does, he sucks in the playoffs. So I'm going off of what I see. Listen, he makes $11 million a year. I mean, wh- why? I mean, I mean, Dubas has overpaid him, Nylander, Riley, and Austin Matthews is probably worth the, the money he got, right? But, I mean, you know, they're they're – their, their top 
three and a few guys are just so overpaid. It just stricts their, you know, stri- uh, kind of uh, just doesn't allow them to, 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 to grab people and, and make other moves that would, you know, help solidify the team. So again, I'm not afraid of them. One last comment on that. I nearly puked my brains out and lost all of my supper or my breakfast or whatever it was when I saw that stupid tweet with, uh, Meg from Family Guy and, you know, no goals in the playoffs, Marner, wearing those disgustingly made jerseys by people I don't care about. And they're like snapping and going into like each other. And I'm like, this is cringe. Like, can you guys do something? Like, can you win something before you sit here and make these stupid videos? Is that all you're here for is make dumb videos? Now, Matthews is a fantastic player. He's also fantastic in the playoffs. I That guy is legit. Yeah. But Marner? Go away, dude. No one cares. <laughs> Absolutely. And have you guys seen their new those new jerseys they just announced? And they're like the ugliest things I have ever seen. Which one do you think Bieber made? The, oh, the black, black, and the black, one. black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. You know? Did he really? Uh, I I would have to assume so. It's but so they're, they're just yeah, know. they are. You see, everybody's like, hey, look at they're trying to be the Bruins and trying to be the Senators. And, you know, because the jerseys look almost similar. The other one looks okay. The yeah, other the one, one's it's fine. all right. Just, yeah. The, but the the, the yeah, black and yellow one is just, it's, it's, I feel bad. I feel bad. Actually, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. Screw it. Screw them. <laughs> Screw them. All right. And before we go, I do want to talk about a Patreon account that we have. Boom. And if you donate $1 per episode, you'll be able to get involved in some fantastic hand-signed uh, Boston Bruins items, including this Don Marcotte jersey we're giving away today. And um, this goes to my boy, Dale Lynn. Congratulations, Dale. I'll be sending that Oof. to you sooner or later. And we're going to uh, congratulate Ellen C. Hagen for winning our weekly uh, block and go. Um, prize, and I'll be sending her a puck or some kind of thing. So, um, with that being said, uh, the internet sucks, and I'm pissed off about it. But anyway, uh, that's going to be episode 272. I want to thank John uh, for coming aboard. He is a co-host of the Beehive Hockey Podcast, and also, as always, my co-host Kevin O'Keefe. Um, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, also thank you for letting me know my internet sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> I got you. We miss right. you, Dom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and out to Dom for, um, you know, not being here, which is not a bad thing, but he's out doing some really important stuff. So uh, hopefully we'll get him back next week. Uh, with that being said, everybody have a great week. Thanks again for tuning in. We're, we're getting unbelievable downloads. It's, it's a ridiculous month of March. You can definitely see the turn. Um, appreciate everybody for helping out, listening, retweeting, sharing, financially supporting and uh, interacting with us on Twitter. So please follow us um, uh, on the, on the tweet machine and uh, we'll talk next week. Peace out. Peace out. Can't wait up. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the block and gold hockey podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple podcasts and Spotify podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. 
Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.